In the first episode of Anesthesiology News Presents, The Etherist, we spoke with Dr. Amy Vinson, who among many other things, is the chair of the American Society of Anesthesiologists Committee on Physician Wellbeing. We define just what well-being is, when it came to light, and why the problem needs to be addressed at an institutional and system-wide level. In this chapter, we delve deeper into working during the COVID-19 pandemic, the unexpected toll burnout can leave behind, and why being mindful of it is paramount. Join us as we talk with several anesthesiologists who've taken a hard look at the problem. But first, a word from our sponsor. Discover breakthrough technology with Massimo Rainbow Pulse Co-Oximetry, featuring SPHB non-invasive continuous hemoglobin monitoring and PVI, a non-invasive dynamic indicator of fluid responsiveness. The Rainbow Pulse Co-Oximetry platform is designed to help support blood and fluid management initiatives without additional equipment or setup. Visit Massimo.com to learn more. I'm Rebecca Margolis. I'm a pediatric anesthesiologist at the Children's Hospital of Los Angeles, where I'm also the Director of Wellbeing for the Department of Anesthesiology and Critical Care Medicine. I uh, am also of note the founder and chair of the Society for Pediatric Anesthesia's Committee on Physician Wellbeing. And this has been a topic near and dear to my heart for many years, um, mostly because it started as an interest for me because I served as our residency director for many years, and I first started to be interested in the topic when we had uh, a physician suicide and started to really unpack and understand the many layers that uh, need to be understood to understand what is physician wellness and what goes into physician well-being. Physician well-being is important because we need well physicians to be able to take safe and effective care of patients. And to be honest, if for no other reason than the solvency of the healthcare system, I think the last two or three years have shown us that we absolutely need a healthy physician workforce. And we've seen since the dawn of the pandemic, 20% of healthcare workers leave the field. And we are facing now unprecedented staffing shortages. And indeed, unfortunately, are seeing these staffing shortages trickle down to poor patient care. So I really think it's part of a public health crisis that we care about physician well-being. So in your opinion, what is the main culprit of burnout? I think broadly, it's not feeling valued and doing, uh, having such specialized training, but spending much of your time doing things that are not practicing to the top of your license. Now, in anesthesiology, this looks different than what it would be for a primary care doctor who's spending hours getting pre-authorizations and doing clerical work. And as anesthesiologists, we are constantly, particularly because of these staffing shortages, being asked to do more with less. I'm cleaning ventilators. I am turning over rooms. I'm putting in preoperative IVs or giving medicines and documenting in the medical records. These are all previously nursing or tech jobs, but there's such staffing shortages that it's, you know, we're still in the hospital. So oh, you can do, you know, you can add that to your daily workflow. 
And eventually it really does become the straw that breaks the camel's back, um, especially with the more specialized care that we are delivering. We depend on teams to do their specialized role. And now if we have members of the team, many of them are new, they don't have the experience. So we really have to micromanage every level of a patient's care, and it's just not possible. The unfortunate nature of reimbursement and the way our healthcare system is set up is that we are ending up being treated more like cogs in a wheel rather than professionals on which the system depends. We are made to feel replaceable when, in fact, I think we are learning we are not actually replaceable. I think that we have thrown some gasoline on the fire in the recent years with the public having a significant distrust of the healthcare system and distrust of doctors that feel like we don't have patients' best interests and hearts when, in fact, those of us still going to the hospital every day are trying to do our best to take the safest care of patients in a very broken system and feel often that the understandable anger of a parent's, I, I do pediatric anesthesia, so there are times during this pandemic that patients have waited in ERs for two, three days to get the care that they need. And the parents are sleeping there with their child. And by the time as an anesthesiologist, they get to the operating room for their, you know, appendix or broken bone or, or whatever, you know, emergency that they have, they unleash on us. And I understand as a parent and a person where this anger comes from, but it's hard to deal with the anger of everybody and another staff who are frustrated when, you know, it's like, be nice to those who showed up. We're still here. And, and, and I think that's very, very hard. Hi, my name is Anushka Afonso. I'm an anesthesiologist. I'm over at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in the Department of Anesthesiology and Critical Care Medicine in New York City. Professional burnout is not new. It's been described for centuries in terms of physicians. It's been described. Burdenberg used it in the 70s when he looked at emotional and physical stressors experienced by healthcare workers, taking care of patients from marginalized communities. And that's gone on to lead us to the Maslach survey. And Maslach and Jackson in 81 just developed this Maslach burnout inventory, the MBI, which is a validated instrument, the gold standard of measuring burnout. And when you ask about what that means to me, I think we really have to think about you know, what the survey takes into account, emotional exhaustion. So that's the feeling of just being completely depleted, depersonalization, you're a little detached from what's going on. And um, third, the reduced sense of personal accomplishment, feeling that you haven't done anything. And this is very consistent with the WHO definition, right? So I think the scope of burnout, especially given the COVID pandemic, we're at the tip of an iceberg. Um, we have the great resignation that's happening in our nation. We have staffing shortages. We have early retirement. We have people who are dealing with PTSD from the COVID pandemic. We have the second victim situation. We have lack of resources right now. I think we're really at a point where more resources need to be put into the drivers of burnout in physicians. 
I think there are many drivers in in terms of what is affecting physician wellness. An article came out in uh, in 2017, actually, that looked at some of the drivers, and they really grouped it into um, a few different cohorts. So the lack of control and flexibility, the lack of efficiency and resources, the ongoing workplace and workload job demands, given the staffing shortages. So usually the work then goes on the hands of a few when not many others show up. The whole concept of social isolation as anesthesiologists we're quite isolated. We're behind the drapes. We're in different rooms. And that's something to be talked about as well. During the COVID pandemic, most of us were on the front lines. We didn't want to bring it back home to our families. There was a lot of isolation, a lot of stress management issues going on there. So I think that's one. Number two, really allowing for mental health resources and not condoning that, allowing for an open culture for those who need that and being aware of that. But you can't neglect the fact that organizational factors are more strongly linked to burnout than individual factors. So when you talk about solutions and interventions, it really has to be multi-pronged, aimed at the root cause of burnout. So both at individual levels, department levels, hospital levels, nation levels. Breakthrough Technology, Breakthrough Outcomes, a key study conducted at CHU Limoges Hospital in France demonstrated the value of implementing a hospital-wide goal-directed therapy protocol for blood and fluid management using the Massimo Rainbow post-coaxymetry platform, showing a 33% reduction in 30-day post-surgical mortality. Visit Massimo.com to learn more. My name is Gina Sinski, and I am an associate professor and the associate chair of well-being for the Department of Anesthesia and Perioperative Care at the University of California, San Francisco. I think ultimately it's when the, the work environment and culture really clashes with your own morals and beliefs. That's really when um, I think it's really easy to burn out. Um, there's actually a, a model called the areas of work-life model that was uh, first described by doctors Maslock and Leiter, and they really talk about these six areas of work life where if your values don't match those of your organization, it can lead to burnout. Can you elaborate on those areas? And what are some other things that might contribute to burnout? Sure. So there's um, six areas of work life, and those include things like workload, control, feeling valued, fairness, etc. And for example, if you feel that your workload is unmanageable, um, that can really lead to distress and also can lead to things like moral injury, where you feel like you're not able to provide the best care for your patients. And I think especially with the COVID pandemic, there's been a lot of um, short staffing, a lot of overscheduling, understaffing, and I feel like that's led to a lot of burnout. Especially during COVID, I feel like um, anesthesiologists have really been at the front lines in terms of, you know, managing airways and very sick patients. And I think um, as the COVID pandemic wears on, 
it makes it really challenging because I think in the beginning, people were really digging deep and we're now at year three. So it really makes it hard to keep going at that pace. And I think that's why a lot of people are, are burning out. I think one part that's really difficult is the scheduling predictability. I think this comes up nationally at many organizations around the country in terms of the operating room schedule. As anesthesiologists, unfortunately, we don't have a lot of control over, you know, for example, how long your surgery is going to be. Sometimes the surgery takes a lot longer than um, was booked or scheduled. And that can lead to um, a lot of distress in terms of, you know, one, you have no control over this, but two, you thought you were going to go home at a certain time or be able to take care of other things, and you're not able to do that. For example, COVID in general has hit women, especially those who um, have caretaking responsibilities, families at home who they need to take care of. And once you get to this issue of scheduling predictability, for example, if you um, can't you know, pick up your child from daycare, that becomes an issue. If you can't um, take care of your family and loved ones at home, that becomes an issue. So I think that's one thing that in anesthesia, I feel like a lot of anesthesiologists have talked to me about and um, one thing that we try to continue to address. The other thing is I, re I really think it's a, it's a high cognitive load specialty, as I said earlier. And just with this high cognitive load, it's, it's really easy to be mentally exhausted. So I think that can lead to burnout, especially when you're doing this day in, day out high workload without having time to really recover in between your shifts can be an issue. Also, just having um, the acuity of this specialty where you're dealing with um, these situations where you really have to act in a matter of, of seconds to really take care of your patient, especially in an emergency. Um, I am actually a pediatric anesthesiologist, and those 30 seconds when you're trying to take care of your patient, you know, it can feel like an eternity as you're trying to, you know, help them get better. And so I think that can lead to a lot of stress where you constantly have to be ready to jump in and be able to take care of your patients. And that can really be exhausting. I think it's also because of the acuity um, when there is a, an adverse event. You know, there's been studies that look at anesthesiologists um, asking them about their experience with adverse events. And they found that 19% of the respondents said they never recovered from this adverse event. And I think that really goes to the importance of programs like peer support to be able to really help anesthesiologists um, after these devastating events. So I'm Johnny Ellis, MD, and I graduated from medical school at the University of Chicago in 1982. I did a residency in anesthesiology at the University of Virginia, a fellowship under Dr. Michael Royson at the University of Chicago in cardiovascular and transplant anesthesia, uh, and was on the faculty at the University of Chicago for 20 years. I'm currently an adjunct professor at the University of Pennsylvania in the Department of Anesthesia and Critical Care and visiting professor at the University of Miami, also in the Department of Anesthesiology, Critical Care and Pain Medicine. When I think about wellness, one of the things I think about is the old cliche uh, of being on the airplane, put on your own oxygen mask before you help those around you. So certainly in the long run, one cannot be an effective clinician caring for one's patients if one does not care for oneself 
but also it is important that we as physicians, clinicians, team members work in environments that support our ability to do that. And I bring that up because very often, and this is not an original thought on my part, some folks will say that wellness is an impetus of the individual to maintain for themselves. And I think equally important are the systems in which we work that enable us to do that so that we can perform our best. Uh, and that works in all sorts of ways, uh, emotional, physical, uh, mental health, substance abuse, team dynamics, uh, feeling valued as a member of a team, uh, not suffering from burnout so that one can bring energy on a daily basis to the best possible care of patients in a way that's regenerative. That is, uh, if one is not burnt out and is providing good care for patients and experiences that in a positive way, that really has a positive feedback effect. I feel better, I give better care to my patients, I have good outcomes, that comes back to me. And certainly we would prefer not to have situations where work is unnecessarily stressful. There's obviously always gonna be a certain amount of stress in caring for patients in very challenging medical situations and challenges in caring for patients in situations where there's the demand for time efficiency. But we want those to be positive effects and not negative effects such that undue stress causes people to have, and when I say people, I mean clinicians, to have maladaptive responses that just make for more of a vicious spiral in the long run. How do you think the COVID-19 pandemic affected anesthesiologists and the field as a whole? We talked a little bit about COVID-19 and I no longer practice. And so this is from talking to colleagues of mine, and yet I can't really imagine the stress that people have been under to be at first scared of loss of life or bringing home an infection home to someone who might be immunocompromised, elderly in one way or another, working with inadequate equipment, personal protective equipment, et cetera, uh, dealing with stresses of patients who may not appreciate all that we do, uh, the, the always existing challenges in having other members of the perioperative and the hospital team appreciating uh, what we do. And now, more recently, I certainly experienced this the demand for personnel in anesthesia is just unprecedented. I can't tell you how many calls I get from friends, former colleagues, cold calls. We need people. What that means is that people are working in awkward situations where people are being pressed into service in different subspecialties where they may not feel as comfortable uh, as you know the subspecialty that they worked in before, and that's particularly an issue in uh, 
university settings where people tend to be highly specialized. So it, it, I can I can understand the stresses that it, and, and the challenges for wellness that people have in, in the era of COVID-19. And we seem to be slowly getting better with that. Two steps forward, one step back. And, and hopefully we can get to a time where we're doing three steps forward and one step back. But the whole effect of the great resignation and people certainly of my age, I'm now 64 years old, saying, you know, I was going to work another two years, but I'm out. That just puts more pressure on the remaining younger people. Uh, and so there's certainly challenges ahead. And I think to the extent that institutions can recognize that anesthesiologists, anesthetists, uh, are the backbone of providing services in the hospital, particularly in some of the services that are most remunerative for the hospital, orthopedics, cardiac procedures, GI. If you don't have a high-functioning, resilient anesthesia department, those services are going to have trouble running. And, and so I've seen a number of uh, institutions uh, double down on investments in their anesthesia departments both for recruiting people, but also uh, hopefully in the well-being of the people who are there in a department, uh, such that people won't uh, flee to other work situations. Stay tuned for episode three of Anesthesiology News Presents, The Etherist where various other experts discuss a few additional issues in the well-being realm, including managing stress and dealing with the cognitive workload as a resident. We also hear from a European anesthesiologist about cultural differences in the specialty.